Guys, we're glad to have you out online with us. Uh, we're going to have a great time this morning. I can't wait to preach this message. I've gone over this message a couple times and just really excited about what we're going to unpack. Now, as far as the man bun goes, um, you know, Matt is a little bit concerned about looking like a 15-year-old uh, boy. But I just believe if we cut it, he'll look like a man. You know, I was like, won't look like a woman. We're not going to have that mistake. I'm just kidding you, Matt. I love you. Man, I'm putting, I may put $500 in there to keep it. So it's cut it or grow it. That's our option, right? All right. All right. And that money goes towards the ski trip as a fundraiser. He's just trying to help the kids out. I know it's an expensive thing to do. As we jump in today, I'm going to be talking about who's in control of the rest of your 2020 and who's going to be in control of 2021 in your life. For most of us, we like to think that we're in control. As a matter of fact, when we go to get advice, we, we go to the primary, primarily we go to people to get advice who are going to tell us what we want to hear instead of what we need to hear. You know why? Because we want to be in control. We, we, we want to be in control of our own destiny. And, and that's okay to some degree. God gave us a life, but in turn, he wants us to give our life back to him. He wants us to relinquish our control and allow him to be in control over our lives. Now, if you're like me, I like being in control. My whole life I've, I've tried or attempted at times to, to be in control only to find out there are times in my life where I'm truly not in control. There was a time that I was in Colorado way up on a mountain, was going over the Continental Divide or just next to the Continental Divide. I'd hiked about six miles in and was looking for some hot springs. I got too close over to the edge and looking down, trying to see them. They were in the pocket on the side of the mountain. There was another trail that you actually took to get to these hot springs uh, on Rainbow Trail outside of Pagosa Springs. And as I was up there, uh, I got too close to where some of the water was trickling down the mountainside. I slipped and started the slide myself as I went down this mountain and then actually fell off probably, I don't know how far the, the drop was, but uh, uh, 15 feet maybe. And I thought, this is it. I'm, I've completely lost control. I have no control now over this situation. I took a wrong step in life and now my destiny, my fate was no longer in my hands. Has that ever been you? Now, obviously God caught me some way. I actually fell on my back in the middle of a running river right behind a huge boulder, boulder in a deep hole. And I did not drop my fishing pole. I had control of that, right? And that's all I had control of in the fall. Sometimes we take a wrong step in life. Sometimes what happens in life, and as we look at 2021, we've got to think on these things. We've got to ask God, God, uh, will you take control of my life? What parts of my life am I supposed to be in control of? And I believe this is what God is telling us. You're not supposed to be in control. You're supposed to be responsible with what I've placed in front of you. See, as we're coming out of the Christmas season and beginning to look at the new year, many of us are somewhat worried about what is to come. You know, I received a, a poem that was written by an elderly gentleman in this congregation. I want to read the first part of this poem. I received it this week. So good. This man is a mentor in my life. We study uh, some of the Hebrew together. We go back and forth throughout the week. And this is what he said. Christmas is over. The gifts have been opened. The family has come and gone. Dinner has been served. The dishes have been washed and put away. The decorations are coming down one by one. The bright lights are being turned off. Gifts are being returned. The joy of the season is fading away for another year. In its place, 
is the reality of the world we live in today. The year 2020 will not soon be forgotten. It will forever hold an unwelcome place in history. Many have lost fathers, mothers, and children, relatives, and lifelong friends have been taken. They will never return. The world has been enslaved by a killer virus. In its path have come death and destruction. Lives have been changed forever. People long for a return to normal, but no one can say what, whether or not normal will ever be here again. No one can predict when normal will return, will return. As the lights of Christmas fade, darkness returns to haunt us. We're in danger of falling into an abyss of emptiness. But, don't you love that? Because he's about to change. But in the midst of darkness, there is good news. It doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to live in darkness. The light doesn't have to fade away. God has come. He, he has a name. He is our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. In Hebrew, he is called Yeshua. And the name Yeshua in the Hebrew means salvation. You see, there is still light. There is still hope, especially when we are not trying to take control, but allowing him to be in control of our lives and in our destiny. I said this Christmas Eve, I mean it today, what gets our attention gets our direction and ultimately will get our destination. When I think on these things, when we come through the Christmas season, I just think about how life oftentimes probably seemed for those who went before us, that it was somewhat out of control, if you will. Zechariah, he's told what? Your wife who has advanced in years. I talked about this. He didn't say your wife is old. That would have been offensive. He said, who's advanced in years. They call Zechariah old, but his wife, advanced in years, she will have a child. A miracle is going to happen. This is out of your control. You think you controlled it. But look at your age. I, I, I control it. I've got this. Mary, she was visited by an angel. And she's told you're going to have a baby. It's out of her control, but it's for her destiny as well as the destiny of the world. The shepherds are visited by angels and they're told, unto you a Savior is born. It's out of their control. A Savior has been born. Now what are you going to choose to do with this? Are you going to be responsible? And they were. They said, let's go find this one. Immediately they, they went to find the one who was born, the Savior of the world. If you back up to the Old Testament, Abraham, he's told in his old age, look, you're going to have children, not just a few, but as many as the sand upon the seashore. Hey, Abraham, you thought you were in control. You're really not in control of this. As a matter of fact, you're, you're going to be, be in some ways the father of a nation. Three generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and a nation would be born. And this is why we need to pay attention to the next generation church. We have a responsibility to equip them, equip the saints for service so that they know who they are and they know that they're called to be responsible as God is in control of their lives. Moses and the plagues gave a warning. God was in control. He just had to be responsible with his staff, with what God had given him. Joshua led the people into the promised land, but God would be the giver of the promised land. You see, some wills are set in motion by God himself, and nothing we do will stop them. So why worry over them, much less attempt to control them? In Mark chapter 4, we see the disciples at sea with Jesus. I love this story because Jesus has been preaching and he's been in the boat. And finally, towards the end of the day, he says, hey, let's go to the other side of the sea. 
Now, they forget along the way that he's told them, we're going to the other side. Midway across the sea, a storm blows in. And as this storm blows in, it's tossing this ship one way and the other. And it looks like they're going to capsize. And they look for Jesus. And where is Jesus? He's asleep. Some of your translations say he's asleep on a pillow. Oftentimes, we think God's asleep in our storm. But in reality, he knows what's taking place. He's so comfortable. He even said when he got on the ship, I think I'm going to take a pillow. It's going to be a nice little cruise. When we get over to the other side, we got some ministry to do over there. I better rest up. In Mark chapter 4 is where this story is found. In verse 41, this is what happens. They awaken Jesus. And when they awaken him, he rebukes the wind and the waves. 441, and they feared exceedingly and said to one, one another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this guy that even the wind and the sea obey him? When he speaks, things happen or they stop from happening. That this man is con- in control. And guess what? We're not. How many of us have spoken to the wind, much less the sea? You see, sometimes there's nothing you can do about your current situation, but you can still grow through it. What they did is they recognized this is the God who is over all. He's in all. He sees through all. That's who we have. That's who we rely upon. That's who will save us. So many of us are worried about the coming year and the coming years. There's been a change in our election. There's another election coming up in Georgia. There's so many political things and political strife going on in this country. There's so many things to worry about. A day of worrying is more exhausting than a week of work. So sometimes we just need to be responsible with what God has placed right here before us. When we attempt to control things this day, it can keep us from accomplishing the things he had for us this day and the next. And I want to speak to you about the importance of control. Who really has it? All of us have experience with it. Some of us have personalities that that simply want to control others. Don't you love being around those? I'm sorry, staff. Or we feel we want to make it to the top. We just simply want to be in control. But the truth is, none of us have ever, nor will we ever, stop the wind and the sea. Only Jesus can do that. And if you think you did it, you didn't. It's Christ in you. It's the hope of glory. It's the only power. It's the only strength that we truly have. I mean, look at how we answer these questions. Many of us feel if we want something done right, we must. Oh, so you know the answer to that one. Some of us would love to sit just once in Donald Trump's seat and say what? You're fired. Thank you. Unless you're the lead dog, the scenery never changes. Man, you guys are good. Y'all are getting 100% on these. I'm going to throw a curveball. <laughs> We're not doing that again, Joe. <laughs> Work hard one step at a time, and one day you will reach the top. Thank you. Okay, let's talk about the ladder for a minute. Many of us have climbed the ladder of success only to find that it's been leaning against the wrong wall. It's just the truth. It wasn't all we thought it was going to be. You control your own destiny. 
All right. I hope not. I really do pray that God is in control of my destiny. Most definitely. Right? Most of us seek advice, like I said earlier, from those who tell us what we want to hear instead of seeking those who will tell us what we need to hear. The very man that I spoke of in the poem that I read at the first oftentimes tells me some things that would, what, enhance the ministry for, for God's purpose, not for my purpose or anyone else. Sometimes people give us words that are a little bit difficult to hear, and if they're not trying to control your life, then oftentimes we should listen to them because God can speak through the godly. He oftentimes does, and He reminds us that He is in control. It is true that you can control some things in your life. Some of you are going to eat a salad for lunch. You're going to control it because you were out of control over the Christmas season. Some of you are going to choose to go ahead and eat that chicken fried steak. And others of us will eat that green chili cheeseburger because it's a choice that we're making. You have control over that today. There are things in life we can't control, but honestly, those things are in some ways very few. You didn't wake up this morning thinking about the gravitational constant that holds you to this earth. You don't think much about the earth spinning on its axis, much less the air you breathe or the polar ice cap. But these things happen. They are beyond our control. One of the best statements I've heard in relation to this is you can control parts of your destiny or your life, but not your faith. Now, there's, there's some things that I agree with and things that I possibly could disagree with that statement, but there's some truth definitely there. There seems to be the free will hand of God that I speak of a lot. That's the choices that we make. I say this, the most spiritual thing you can do today are the choices that you make. There is no doubt. Many of you made a choice this morning to get up and be online with us to, to, to be ministered to by the omnipresent God that he's not just here. He's in your homes as well out there. You made that choice. It's a spiritual choice. And many of you today got up and came to church this morning. It was difficult because you got some of the Christmas hangover taking place, not meaning that you were drinking by any means. See, that's a choice. But you made a decision. And I talk about the free will hand of God, but there's also the providential hand of God that is moving as well. And where those two cross, I don't know. But here's what I know in that, that I want my free will to take me to the providence. A choice. John chapter 18, verse 33. It's uh, 33 years later in the Christmas story. Still the Christmas season because Jesus is still walking upon this earth. I mean, the Messiah is here. Ministries, miracles, all these workings are being done by Christ Himself. But it's, it's nearing the end and what He would do upon this earth at the time that He was walking upon this earth. Jesus is brought before Pilate by the Jews who simply uh, want him, want Pilate to kill Jesus for blasphemy. Pilate is the governor of the area from Judea to Samaria. His word in the area was law. He worked directly for the big dog. The big dog's name was Tiberius Caesar Augustus. He had two responsibilities, just two, and here are the two responsibilities, to collect taxes and to keep the peace, and it was in that order. The Jews hated Pilate, and Pilate hated the Jews. Pilate had slaughtered Jews on a couple of occasions and stolen money from the temple. However, the Jews had, they, they had to get permission to put anyone to death, 
And it, and the one that gave them that permission was Pilate himself. But they would refuse to go into his palace because it was unclean. But they still had to get his permission. Pilate himself, according to Jewish custom, was unclean. John 18, 33, so in comes Jesus and Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Finally, in verse 35, what have you done? And Jesus says these words, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate said, are you a king? Jesus said, you rightly say that I am a king for this cause I was born. In other words, there was a providential thing that was set in motion for this cause as a propitiation, as a substitute for the sins of the world. This cause is why I'm here. Powerful. For God so loved the world that he sent me. And I'm here is through his providence. He goes on that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Isn't that what Jesus said about his sheep too? John 18, 38, Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and he said to them, I find no fault in him. In him. So Pilate offers them Barabbas, an insurrectionist, and has Jesus scourged and beaten. Pilate believed this should satisfy this Jewish crowd. But when he presents Jesus to the crowd, they cry out, crucify him. John chapter 19, verse 8. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was even more afraid. Why was Pilate afraid, church? I'm going to tell you, he's the most powerful. He was more powerful than King Herod himself. The most powerful person in the region. And he's afraid. And I'll tell you why he was afraid. Because he was losing control. He had worked his whole life to obtain the position that he had, and now his position was at risk. He wanted to please Tiberius. He wanted to continue to move up the ranks. He had soldiers who would obey his every command. They were at his disposal, but it didn't keep fear from creeping in. He didn't know the one who truly was and is in control. He was afraid. He was afraid of losing control. And he had a sense his situation was getting beyond him very quickly. In John chapter 19, verse 10, Pilate says, Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? I'm the one in control here. And Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Now watch this next statement. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Have you ever noticed that? He's saying the most powerful one who created this whole circumstance. You don't even know his name. And he's not talking about God. He's talking about Judas. Judas started this. He betrayed the son of man with a kiss. It, it, it started this whole thing in, in action. You think you have the power. To, to, to kill me or to let me go. Let me say this. You, this is not even about you. There's one you don't even know his name that set this into motion. You see, Pilate, you're really not in control. 
the providential hand of God is moving and nothing is going to deter it. Jesus had just prayed, not my will, but thine be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. We change over just real quick. Same story, just different different book, different gospel. If you go over to Luke chapter 23, I'm going to share just a couple things just to drive these points home. Pilate sends, of course, Jesus to Herod. Herod wants Jesus to do some tricks for him, and then he's sent back over to Pilate. Three times Pilate attempts to release Jesus and eventually is accused of being a traitor himself to the one whom he's trying to impress, Tiberius Caesar Augustus. Pilate desires to wash his hands of this. I believe he was taken by Jesus because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus didn't have worry upon him. Jesus didn't have any fear upon him because he knew who he was and he knew who his father is. And because of that, he had a peace. And Pilate saw this peace. Pilate didn't have control over Jesus' feelings. He didn't have control over who Jesus was. He didn't have control from the outside looking into Jesus. See, oftentimes we try to manipulate and we attempt, even myself, to control others from the outside. But when a person knows who they are and they know they're in the will of God, then they're able just to say it is as it should be. It simply is as it should be. By the way, that's the definition of righteousness. I am righteous. And because he knew this, Jesus knew who he was. He knew what he was called to do. Pilate sees that peace upon him, and Pilate himself doesn't have that peace. He's, he, it's, it's interesting. Jesus didn't defend himself. He didn't make excuses for what was going on. He was trusting his father. Regardless of the situation, it was a peace that Pilate desired, and he attempted to obtain that peace upon his own, but he just never had it. Luke 23, 23, but they were insistent, speaking of the crowd, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified, and the voices of these men and the chief priest prevail. Now, there's a couple things I'd love to unpack in this. The voices of the crowd and the chief priest, they prevailed. There is a time through the providential hand of God that our voices can prevail, church, and should prevail. Now, this isn't the church in many ways. Of course, these are the bad guys. The Messiah that they had been praying for, that they had been wanting, is now standing before them, and they're saying, crucify him. They don't even recognize who God had sent to them. But their voices were heard. Their voices were heard. Look, if you believe you are in control of everything, I want you to know something. You're probably living in fear. Because you're going to find out real soon that you're not in control. I I preached a sermon five, six years ago, and the title of that message was Control is an Illusion. You can stay there if you want, but you're going to find out eventually you absolutely don't have it. So my first point, 23 minutes into the message, stay with me, there's only three, and they're short. You are not made to be controlling. You are made to be responsible. What God places in front of you, what He gives you to be responsible with, we are called to be that person. Be responsible. Be responsible with your children. Be responsible for your faith. Be responsible to meet with the Lord in the morning. I'll be talking about that later in the coming, in an upcoming message. Be responsible with those things and let God be in control. 
Be responsible with the authority that God has given you if you have authority. You may not control the wind and the waves, but you know the one who does, which makes you very very powerful in a sense. Be responsible with your relationship with Jesus and others. Seek his kingdom first. However that looks, read his word, listen to his voice, embrace this gift of life that he has given you. Be responsible to God and others. The second point I would tell you is simply this very simple point. God has entrusted to you a limit of, a limited amount of authority. You know, as, as, uh, as babies grow up a little bit, as, as a two-year-old becomes a three-year-old, they start saying, I don't think I want to wear this diaper. I'm going to take responsibility for my actions. Right? Because God's going to give us all a type of responsibility. As we go through this life, life is a gift, and He's calling us, hey, just be responsible for this. God has entrusted to you, entrusted to you, a limited amount of authority throughout life. And as you live life normally, you are giving, given more responsibility. As you are faithful in a little, God will allow you to be faithful with a lot. But you're not entrusted to demand authority. I once had a young woman in my office and she got angry over two or three things that had happened that week. She's very, very angry. Uh, she had a waitress that she felt like disrespected her. She didn't, bring the right food. It wasn't cooked enough, so she sent it back. And her husband was talking to me about this situation and then had another situation like in Target uh, that she felt like she was disrespected with a lady behind the counter until the finally, finally she blew up and she said, look, you need to respect me. <laughs> Let me say something. Uh, respect is not demanded, it's earned. And so, so uh, uh, we have to, we have to realize that that look, just because somebody's on the other side of the counter from us doesn't, doesn't mean they're less than us. Life has different circumstances and opportunities for all of us, there is no doubt. But when God entrusts you to some type of authority, grasp it. Be good with it. And the third and final point is, is rest, which makes absolutely no sense, and I don't know why I put it in there. I'm just teasing. It's truly a message of rest. It's a message of rest to each and every one of us. Jesus was resting on the boat. You know why? Because he knew he was in control of the wind and the waves. He knew that God, his Father, was in control. And the Holy Spirit, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. He knew who he was. He didn't have to worry about it. And I'm going to tell you something. We can rest when we no longer think that we are responsible to be in control of it all. It's really a time of rest, when I can learn to rest in my Savior, when I can learn to trust that His ways and His will are higher than my ways and my own will, when I can truly believe that the seed that I planted is going to make a difference wherever it's planted because it's God's Word, it's His seed. In many ways, it becomes his responsibility. I just have to be faithful and responsible to what he's given me and allow him to be in control of the rest. You know, Jesus, if you're not a believer this morning, let me just help you with something. Jesus was a carpenter. That's amazing to me that Jesus was a carpenter. 
And the very time that we celebrate today, this week will change from 2021 to 20 or 2020 to 2021. And what's amazing, a simple carpenter changed that. The birth of this man, Jesus, whose earthly dad was a carpenter. He learned his trade and changed the world. See, if you were not or if you are not a believer in Christ and you heard the story of Jesus, you might say, wow, for a carpenter, this man impacted and continues to impact people throughout the world today. How did a carpenter make such an impact? On the other hand, it's it's interesting to look at this because he's not just a carpenter. He's God in the flesh. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. And he wants to be in control if we'll simply allow him. You know, when we allow God to be in control, that's one of the most humble things you can do. Because oftentimes it goes in opposition to what we desire. And what the Lord's saying is, if you want fulfillment, my fulfillment will be a lot better and a lot more than you could ever be fulfilled in your own strength, your own power, your own authority. On the other hand, the two with all the influence and the power of the world in the day of Jesus. Those two men we brought up earlier, Pilate and Tiberius. We don't know a whole lot about them, but if you go and research their story, you'll find out what happened. Two years after this event with Christ, a group of Samaritans rebelled and Pilate sent in troops and annihilated them. Pilate was arrested and taken to Rome to stand trial. All the power he wanted and thought that he had, he lost. He was exiled to Gaul, and he could not stand being powerless, and he wound up taking his own life. Two years after this event with Christ, what about Tiberius Caesar Augustus? He died while they were bringing Pilate to him for trial. So he died before Pilate. Do you know who his his son was? One of the most wicked. As a matter of fact, as you read the story, what you will find out is that, that his son, Caligula, probably heard of that man, that his son is the one that actually put him to death because he wanted to be in control. He wanted to have the power. And he had somewhat grown up and risen to that place in his life. And Caligula was seen as such a wicked leader that when he died, they wanted to give him a criminal's funeral where they would just throw him out to sea and there would be nothing left in his memory. See, a common carpenter was not supposed to be the most powerful one of the day, much less this day. But he continues to change the world today. And he holds the world of 2020 and 2021 in his hands. Are you at that place today where you can say, God, I'm not in control. I trust you. Not my will be done, but thine be done. So church, our question as we roll into the new year this week is who will be in control of my 2021? Will it truly be the year of our Lord. Would you please stand? I'm going to ask the altar team to make their way forward this morning, and we're here to pray with you, to minister to you, to sow that seed, to be that voice of reason in your life, listening to the Holy Spirit and what He tells us for you.
for one another. Where two or three are gathered, there he is in our midst. As you come forward for prayer, church online, it's wonderful to have you with us this morning. Let me pray for all of us before we're dismissed. Father God, thank you once again for your word, for your will, for your wisdom. We thank you, Father, for people that you place in our lives that speak the truth and tell us the truth, who write letters, who are concerned, emails and texts, and, and Lord, they want to make sure that we're hearing from you first and foremost. It's not always what we want to hear, but it's what we need to hear. And be reminded that you ultimately, Father, are in control. Let us be responsible with this life and trusting you the life to come. We bless you and we thank you. It's in your most precious holy name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.